Would you say that? Brother Garrett, preach to me. God bless you. Take your liberty. Praise the Lord, everybody. Amen. Amen. If you don't mind, and I don't need music, it's fine. Just like to sing a quick song together, if you would. You can be seated or stand whatever you wish. Sweep over my soul. Sweep over my soul, sweet spirit, sweep over my soul, my rest is complete as I sit at your feet. Sweet Spirit, sweep over my soul. Sweep over my soul. Sweep over my soul. Sweet Spirit, sweep over my soul my rest is complete as I sit at your feet sweet spirit sweep over my soul let's love the Lord together Lord I love you I bless your holy name, God. I love you with all of my heart, with all of my soul, and with all of my strength. You are a good God, a mighty God, an excellent God, a wonderful Savior. You've been so good to me. I love you with all of my heart, with all of my soul. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Amen. Thank you to Pastor Riggin for your kindness and having me here and the hospitality that they have shown to me, even more than is necessary, I learned that don't you dare mention anything that you don't really want to do or want, because it will happen. They are such great and wonderful hosts, and so kind to me, Sister Riggin as well, amen, and all the church, so kind, making me feel at home, amen, downstairs, went to sleep with the sounds of the labor being done, and it's a comforting sound, amen. I had disturbing dreams, but we'll leave it at that. It was still a, a very good evening. Amen. Amen. If you wouldn't time, mind turning to the book of Deuteronomy, chapter number 11, verse number 13. Also give honor to all the ministering brethren here today. Amen. Worthy of double honor. Deuteronomy chapter 11 and verse number 13. And it shall come to pass, if ye shall hearken diligently unto my commandments, which I command you this day, to love the Lord your God and to serve him with all of your heart and with all your soul, that I will give you the rain of your land in due season, the first rain and the latter rain, that thou mayest gather in thy corn, and thy wine, and thine oil. And I will send grass in thy fields for thy cattle, 
that thou mayest eat and be full. Take heed to yourselves that your heart be not deceived, and turn and ye turn aside and serve other gods and worship them. And then the Lord's wrath be kindled against you, and ye be and the heavens be shut up, and there be no rain, and that the land yield not her fruit, and lest ye perish quickly from off the good land which the Lord giveth you. And verse twenty six Behold, I set before you this day a blessing and a curse. And then Proverbs 9 and 10, I'll just read it for you. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. Would you set your Bibles down? And one more time, let's really ask the Lord to help us and to be with us. Would you ask the Lord to anoint your ears that you can hear the word? Would you ask the Lord to anoint the preaching? Oh, Lord, we pray. Let's praise him together. Thank you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I honor you, Jesus. You're wonderful. Would you use your voice and shout unto the Lord? Oh, wonderful Savior. Mighty God, I bless your name. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. God bless you. You may be seated. We find that the Lord called Abraham out of Ur of the Chaldees and he brought him forth and promised him great lands and all of his children and the heritage thereof. And then his grandson Jacob, later to be known as Israel, begat a nation that would become to be known as the nation of Israel. And they were brought out of the land of Egypt by God with a mighty hand. And they were in the wilderness and God is about to prepare them to be brought into the promised land. He has readied them. They've been traveling in the wilderness for a long time. And the book of Deuteronomy, they start talking and bringing forth the covenants. It's almost a restatement of the law, if you will. And he said, if you follow my commandments, if you follow what I do, it will be a blessing unto you. He said, you won't have to till the ground as hard and work as hard and just sow for just a little bit like you did in Egypt, but you will be sowing a ground than land that floweth with milk and honey. There'll be so much for you. It'll be so much easier. There will be rain at all times, not just the former rain, but also the, the latter rain for you and he said I will give it to you and I will bless you all you have to do is serve me all you have to do is remember my commandments and I will bless you and I will keep you I will keep your children safe I will keep your land safe in its entirety but if you don't keep my commandments it will become a curse unto you it will be a curse before you and I will smite you from off the land I will destroy your land and the rain will not come. I will shut up the heavens that there will be no rain. God controls all things. And he said, if you do not keep these commandments, I will curse you. 
Your enemies will have victory over you if you don't keep my commandments. Uh, if you worship any of these other false gods or these idols uh, of wood or stone or gold or silver, I will curse you and destroy you. And he set before them what would be a blessing and a curse. If you live for me, he said, I'll bless you. And if you don't, I will curse you. What are the commandments that he gave unto them? The first commandment he gave unto them was, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul and with all that might, thy might. He established his identity to them, that he was one Lord, and that one Lord would keep them no matter the circumstance. Keep them no matter what went on. He was that one true God that they served. He said, if, if you follow me, you'll be blessed in the city. You'll be blessed in the field. You'll be blessed when you come and when you go. But if you don't follow, you'll be cursed in the city. You'll be cursed in the field. You'll be cursed when you come and cursed when you go. He said, I'm your God and you cannot escape me. Whatever you do, I'm always there with you. Whether you're doing right or you're doing wrong, I'm always there. And you cannot escape the judgment or the blessings of God. So the people served God off and on. There, After Joshua, there arose a generation that knew not the Lord. They didn't remember the works that God had done for them. They had forgotten. And it seemed that it was kind of the cycle of sin and then supplication sin and then slavery and supplication and finally salvation and then they'd go back into sin for the next generation and the next generation and over and over and over and over and finally they begged they said we see these other countries around us have a king we want a king too we want to be just like everyone else around us hmm. and he said and God said well I don't want to but they want it Samuel go find and anoint a king so he anointed Saul and he became king. And we know the story of his end and his demise. And then David, a man after God's own heart, became the king. And it actually turned out very well for the children of Israel. It was a good thing. He turned their attention to God. He didn't serve false gods, but he served the one true living God. He even made preparations for a temple to be built. He even brought the Ark of the Covenant back from the land of the Philistines where it had been captured and taken away all the years of Saul. It had been gone, but David brought it back. Then he had a son named Solomon. And Solomon was a man of great wisdom. Solomon was a man that the Bible says loves or loved God. He was a man that followed God in all of his ways. He was a man that served God. But there came a time when he was deceived. He took unto himself many, many wives. He probably took about three years for him to get all his weddings accomplished at one per day. And he had many, many wives and many, many women. And they turned his heart and he wouldn't just worship God, but he worshiped these other gods. He wouldn't just worship the one true living God, but his heart was turned. And so God came and through the word of a prophet told a man named Jeroboam, and he ripped the kingdom from him. And the ten northern tribes, they followed after Jeroboam. And the two southern tribes, they followed after Rehoboam, which was Solomon's son. And, of course, the temple was in Jerusalem. And the nation was divided and Jeroboam said, I don't think this is a good thing. He said, now shall the kingdom of 
the kingdom return to the house of David? If this people go up to do sacrifice in the house of the Lord at Jerusalem, then shall the heart of this people turn again unto their Lord, even unto Rehoboam, king of Judah. And they shall kill me and go again to Rehoboam, king of Judah. Whereupon the king took counsel and made two calves of gold and said unto them, It is too much for you to go up to Jerusalem. Behold thy gods, O Israel, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. And he set the one in Bethel and put the other in Dan. And this thing became a sin, for the people went to worship before the one even unto Dan. And he made the house of high places and made the priest of the lowest of the people, which were not of the sons of Levi. And Jeroboam ordained a feast in the eighth month on the fifteenth day of the month, like unto the feast that is in Judah. And he offered upon the altar... So did he in Bethel, sacrificing unto the calves that he had made. And he placed in Bethel the priest of the high places, which he had made. He set up two golden calves, and just like they had said when Aaron built the golden calf for him with their earrings in the wilderness, he said, this is the God that brought you out of the land of Egypt. This is the God that brought you out of bondage. Worship these golden calves instead. He was after their money. He was after their attention and their loyalty. He said, oh, you don't have to go all the way to the house of God to worship. You can go and worship these calves. You can go and worship these golden idols that I've set up. You can make your sacrifices uh, unto them. It became such a sin unto the people of Israel. They began to forget God and leave the ways of God. At one time, uh, a young prophet even came and prophesied uh, against that altar, and that altar was split, uh, and ash came forth, and Jeroboam rose uh, to command him to be captured, and his hand was withered. And he was healed again, but still he continued. He continued in his way, and the people began to forget to hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. All of a sudden, they had a visual replacement for an invisible God. All of a sudden, they had a God that was made of gold that they could see and that they could worship and maybe they could touch. And they didn't have to go serve that one true invisible God who commanded their praise, who commanded that they worship him and praise to him suddenly they had a cheap substitute uh, for what was the real thing uh, that the presence of the Lord uh, you can't find uh, one time in your Bible where the spirit of the Lord came uh, and filled those golden calves uh, but you can find uh, when Solomon prayed uh, and the glory uh, of the Lord swept into that temple that the priest uh, couldn't even stand uh, to minister but somewhere they accepted in their minds that we've got a substitute that works just as well. We don't need the God of our fathers who brought us forth out of Egypt. We've got a golden calf that we can look to, a golden calf that we can worship. We can make it our own God. We can tell our own God what we think should go on. We can set our own standards by our own God. There's no law book or word for the golden calves. We make our own law. We make our own boundaries and parameters. If we want to go to war, we just find out whatever the priest wants us to do. And it's a lying tongue in the mouth of the prophet. It's a false God. He said, thou should have no other gods before me. Don't make your gods of wood or stone or gold or silver, but you're serving the one true living God. He said, 
He said, I'll lose them. I'll lose everything that they are. But just a couple generations down the road, they all were lost to an Assyrian army. Just a few years, just a couple hundred years down the road, and they're destroyed and scattered, and they never were a nation again. They were destroyed as a people because they had turned their attention and suddenly every new God that came along, they could go and serve that God. Every king would say, you should worship this God. And it was not a problem. Ahab and Jezebel could come with their false gods and say, worship this God. And they'd say, okay, let's worship this God. Whatever God it was, they had nothing to anchor them, nothing to hold them down. All they served was a God that appealed to their eyes. All they served was a God that they could dictate what that God did and they could control what that God did and they had nothing it even got to the place where Hosea wrote in chapter 4 verse number 6 my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge because thou hast rejected knowledge I will also reject thee that there shall be no priest to me seeing thou hast forgotten the law of thy God I will also forget thy children he said you've forgotten me you've left a God that was of the spirit and you're serving a physical God and because uh, that you've rejected me uh, I'll shut up the heavens uh, let there be no rain uh, I'll close it off uh, you'll be cursed uh, in everything that you do uh, every visiting country will come uh, and conquer you every other country uh, will destroy you you'll be a byword uh, and a swear word among the people of the land because you left your God because you left that thing that you knew, that thing that you held on to, that thing that you held so dear, and it destroyed you. When you're not serving the Lord, when you're not serving the one true God, when you're only following after your own desires, you'll be fooled by anything else that comes along. Any new doctrine, you'll be ready to hear it. Any new doctrine, you'll be ready to embrace it because you don't serve a God that you know and that you understand. You serve a God that you made with your own hands. So many times in the world today we see, and even in Christianity, if you will, the images made and the worship made to idols and the, the different motions that they'll go through to worship their idols. And everyone wants to go and rub the golden toe and everyone wants to go and bow down at this statue or that statue or pray to this different God or saint, if you will, whatever you choose, uh, and pray to them and ask them for a certain blessing just like they did back then where they had a different God uh, for everything because their knowledge is corrupted. They no longer have a knowledge of the holy. They no longer have a knowledge of who God is. What will cause someone to go that far? What will cause someone to lose that value and to be appealed to by something out in the world? There's several things that can contribute to it, but one thing is that if you aren't prayed up, if you're not talking in tongues every day, reading your Bible and full of the Holy Ghost, that's so hard. Did your preacher yell all the time? Oh, that's horrible. You must be so bound. 
Oh, I'm not bound, friend. I've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. I'm not bound. I've been set free by the Holy Ghost. It's all over me. I'm free. Do you see any chains? No, I've been free. Holiness is a part of my freedom. Holiness is a part of my dedication to God. I'm not bound by the world. I'm not bound by the fashions and the paths of this world. I've been set free. I'm not bound to a television set. I'm not bound to every new Hollywood movie that comes along. I've been set free by the blood of the Lamb. I've been set free by the Holy Ghost. Don't you dare bring that stuff around me. Don't you dare talk to me about Hollywood. I've been set free. Go ahead, tell me how cool cigarettes and drugs are. I'm not the one that's bound. You're bound, friend. I've been set free. Are you a young people that's been set free? Have you been set free? You ought to thank God every day that you're in a right church. You ought to thank God every day that you have the Holy Ghost. You ought to thank God every day for a good pastor who loves you, who prays for you, who fights for you. A good pastor who draws lines. He says, right here, we don't go any farther. Right here, we don't go beyond that. Well, that's okay for everybody else, but I'm a little more mature. You can be seated. You're going to get tired on me. That's just for everybody else, but that's not for me. That line is okay, but you know, I can kind of, I've seen it. We have a place in uh, our city where they sell merchandise at a very extreme discount, and there are people that they'll say, do not pass this line, and they'll reach over just as far as they can to try to get across it and grab what they want. And I see people, they honestly must have the, the longest foot in the world because they can keep that toe in church and still, oh, I got it. I got, oh, I'm, I'm that close. I'm that close. Woo. Does my hair almost look like the world? And I got it. Is my hair, I don't know, soft enough for the world? Mm. Do, I, uh, do I look like I fit in? Do I look okay? I went to college and I saw some of young people that weren't really living for God. And I said, whoa, they don't look like that at church. But it's because they're reaching, reaching, reaching. I would never go watch the movie, but a trailer? Sure. I won't watch a full-length movie. I'll split it up into parts. Here a little and there a little. I'll excuse my sin every way uh, that I want. I'll go to grandma's house and do it if I want to. I won't go to the ball games. I'll just watch it uh, at the restaurant. No, you've got to get it in your heart. You'll be destroyed for lack of knowledge. You've got to have it so deep down inside. I serve a living God. I wouldn't dare mess with that God. I wouldn't dare defile my temple. I serve a living God. 
You can't act like the world and have the Holy Ghost. You can't act like all of Satan's minions and still be filled with the Spirit. Amen. You may be seated. I believe preachers run on steam power. The more water, the better they do. Everyone in America, for the most part, that's red-blooded and full of competition, loves to play sports. As a kid, oh, I dreamed. I was Joshua throwing a touchdown at the Battle of Jericho. I was everything. Played my hardest and love sports. But then you grow up. And you start to realize that there's this whole world out there of sports that's calling you. Oh, you're good enough. You can make it. Oh, I can see you right now signing your contract. Oh, I can see you right now. You're going to make it. No, you won't. You're cursed of God. As soon as you leave him, it's a curse of God that's going on in your life. They say, oh, it's okay. I'll just follow it a little bit. Just, you know, kind of national pride, if you know what I mean. No, it's idolatry. You're setting up and worshiping idols. We have in our area a gigantic football stadium. And in that stadium on Sunday, cars, they will, they'll bring out police officers to shut down traffic. That stadium is filled to capacity all the time. Thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of people in that stadium. And all they're doing is worshiping their gods. Oh, it's the same thing. Trust me, it's the same thing as the Athenians. They're just going to their temple and worshiping their gods. Getting a little quiet. They're going and they're worshiping their false gods and saying, oh, isn't he wonderful? Oh, aren't they mighty? No. You know who's mighty? Your God. You know who has all power? Your God. You don't need the false idols of this world. You don't need to be destroyed by a belief in something that's not even real. You need to serve the living God. If you're following sports, you can be deceived by any false God who comes along. If you're following sports, it won't be long till it's taking you out of church, till it's taking you away from prayer. It's idolatry. Like it or not, it's not very popular, but it's idolatry. I'm sick and tired of being around young people, and all they want to talk about is sports. All they want to talk about is this athlete and that athlete. No, I want to talk about how good my God has been. I want to talk about how good he's been to me, how he's set free, free, how I'm not bound by the idols of this world. In my opinion, there's no lot, a whole lot of difference between a sports statue and an idol. In my opinion, there's not a whole lot of difference between marveling and worshiping a creature of any kind. You're stealing praise away from the almighty, the all-wonderful, the all-glorious God of heaven and earth. 
You're stealing. You're stealing his praise. You're robbing it from him. And it's idolatry. It's idolatry. Don't justify it. Don't justify it. Brother Bean said, self-justification is the first step to a reprobate mind. Oh, it's okay, preacher. You're telling me that you don't like to play basketball? I love to play basketball. But somewhere, God woke me with a dream, scared me to death. And I said, okay, God, I'm laying it all aside. I'm not following the things of this world anymore. I'm going to serve you. I'm going to follow you. You may be seated. In my dream... I was with some friends, and I knew that the trumpet had sounded, and we were all going up together, and we got to this, I, I don't know how to describe it, almost like you're in a mall, and you're going straight down an aisle, and over there I watched some of my friends fell on their hands and knees, crazed look in their eye, by the way, they're all out of church now, and they went into one room, and the Holy Ghost said, it's the room of pride and arrogance. Then we're going along a little more and I lose a friend here, lose a friend there. And it's down to just me and one other friend. And we walk by a store and all I knew was it said sports. And he dropped to his knees, hands and knees, and he crawls uh, into that room, transfixed, uh, look in his eyes. Uh, and he said, who just lost him uh, to sports. And I walked a little further and all these trophies appeared beside me. And I said, no, I don't want them. And I walked a little further, and then there was a music store with all the music you could ever want, lights and action and fun. And there stood my youth pastor, and he said, you're not going in here. And I walked a little further, and I knew that I was to heaven, but I woke up scared and said, oh, God, I don't want to go to hell for pride or arrogance. I don't want to go to hell just because of some little sports figures and some sports game out there that will keep me away from you. I do not want to go to hell. I want to go to heaven. Why will it keep you out? Because all of a sudden, you're serving all these other little gods. They'll make every Hollywood actor that comes along a god and they'll worship him and mimic him and try to act like him. Every music singer that comes along that can sing a little bit of tune into a machine, they love him and say, oh, we want to be just like you. Oh, we want to follow you. I had someone tell me, oh, but they look so happy. They're not happy. Oh, but it looks so cool and so free. It's not a, it's a lie. And because you don't have any knowledge, you'll fall into the trap. You'll fall into the trap and he'll substitute your trip to heaven with music. He'll substitute your trip to heaven with sports and he'll destroy you. You don't understand. Satan hates you. Satan is trying everything he can to destroy you. He hates the church. He hates you. He hates God called young people who live a holiness lifestyle. He hates young people who won't listen to the music of this world or defile themselves with a portion of the king's meat. He hates you. He hates you. Oh, I can't tell you the attack. 
the attack of the enemy that's coming on young people today. It hurts to watch friends one by one say, oh, I don't need God. What did their pastors do? Nothing. They didn't do anything wrong. But somewhere, they didn't get a hold of it for themselves and say, I know, hero Israel, the Lord is our God, is one Lord. I know. Then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. I know there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. I know, I know, I know there's only one God. I know who he is and I'm serving him and I'm keeping myself for him. Proverbs 6 and 32 says, but whoso committeth adultery with and lacketh understanding. He that doeth it destroyeth his own soul. What are you destroying yourself for? What do they destroy you when some boy or some girl in the world or even in the church comes and says, oh, it's okay. Everybody's doing it. That was just your grandparents' generation. No, that's my generation too. I'm going to live for God. I'm going to be pure. My holiness isn't just on the outside. It's on the inside, too. I'm going to my marriage altar pure. The world's not going to defile me. You're not going to make me give myself away for just a few moments of sin. There, But for a season, and then you're broken. You're destroyed. Everything of happiness and joy is taken away from you. Because the devil lied to you and said it was all okay. It's not okay. It's wrong. It's of the devil. It's that spirit of Jezebel. And it'll take you any way that it can and destroy you and hold you in the face of God and laugh and put you in front of your church and laugh. Satan says, oh, I got another one. Oh, I just conquered one more. Why? Because you don't have the knowledge of the holy. You've got to have a knowledge of the holy. You've got to get it so deep in your heart that nothing, 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 nothing will ever shake it from you. You've got to live for God. You've got to live for God. Let's lift our hands and worship the Lord together. Come on, let's really pray. Let's really seek the Lord together. You don't belong to this world. You belong to God. You don't belong to sin and Satan. You belong to God. You're holy. You're separated to God. You're pure. You're righteous. Don't let sin and this world destroy you. I've seen young people with so much promise forsake their entire future and everything that they could ever do for God. Why? Because they
they forsook it for the momentary pleasures of sin. I'd rather not be used by God. I'd rather be happy in sin. No, you won't be happy. You're cursed. You're cursed. You can't get away from it. It's not a happy life out there. You're cursed. Don't run from God. Don't forsake your promise. Don't forsake your future. Don't run from it. Please don't run from it. God loves you. God wants you. God wants to use you. God cares about you. God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. God came down in flesh and died for your sins. And it's not worth it for the devil to take it away from you by any of his avenues. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. You may be seated. The Bible tells us of two young men by the name of Nadab and Abihu, and that they were priests unto the Lord. They were the sons of Aaron. And these two young men decided, we're going to sacrifice unto the Lord in our own way. They offered strange fire, strange worship unto God. There was a fire at that altar that never went out, and yet they tried to offer their own substitute. Why? They had been taught, but because they were in rebellion, they defiled God's holy offering with strange fire. And fire came from heaven and smote them and destroyed them. But for every Nadab and Abihu, there was a young man named Joshua who departed not from the temple, who departed not from the tabernacle, if you will. And he came, and when the glory of the Lord ascended, Moses went and he ministered before the people. But for every Nadab and Abihu who was sinning in rebellion, there was a Joshua praying, saying, God... I want you more than anything. God, I want to serve you more than anything. The children of Israel came to a place and they were deceived very easily by false people, Midianites, who offered them to worship God in their own way and they could worship their God with them. And a young man who was a prince of Israel and a woman who was a princess of Midian, Zimri and Cosby to be exact, they went in in front of the entire congregation to do evil, evil. And there arose a young man from a congregation that was weeping and crying. A young man by the name of Phinehas. And he said, it's not going to happen to my generation. He said, it's not going to happen here. It's not going to happen now. He took a spear in his hand and he went hunting and he said, it's not going to happen and he put his spear right through both of them and God stopped a plague. Why? Because a young man or a young woman wouldn't be afraid to stand up and say, not my generation. Not my people. I refuse. I refuse to let it go on on my watch. I refuse to let it happen. Not while I have breath in my body. You will not compromise the doctrine while I'm still alive. My generation will not forsake holiness while I'm still alive. They won't do it. They won't do it. I refuse to go along with any other young people who want to change the message or change the doctrine. 
I've got to take a stand for what's right. Come on, you've got to take a stand. You've got to take a stand. Don't let the devil lie. Don't let it happen. You do what you want, but you don't do it around me. You corrupt the doctrine any way that you want, but would you stop calling yourself a Pentecostal? I know what a Pentecostal is. They've got holiness. They talk in tongues. They baptize in Jesus' name. And Satan will never lie. And false prophets will never lie. There's young people. You've got to take ownership of this doctrine. You've got to say, he's my God too. That's my doctrine too. It ain't just the pastor's standards. It's my standard. And I refuse to compromise. You can say what you want, sit or stand, I don't care. It's still the truth. There's only one God, and his name is Jesus. There's only one way to see him, and it's through holiness. When you're dressing to appeal to the visual, when you're entertaining yourself to appeal to the visual, you're doing wrong. You're forsaking that one true invisible God. Say, well, I grew up in a church that just really wasn't that conservative. It doesn't matter. You've still got the same Bible. You ought to live for God with all your heart. You ought to live for God with all your soul. Don't make it just something you do on Sundays. Make it an everyday relationship with God. I'm praying. I'm reading the word. I'm following God. Oh, for a generation that would rise and take ownership. This is my gospel. This is my truth. Well, the crown endures to every generation only if someone else will stand up and say, I'll take it. I'll bear the load. If there was just an Elisha who would pour water on the hands of Elijah and when it came time, he'd catch that man on and say, okay, it's my turn. I'm not going to do anything different. I'm going to follow I'm going to follow those footsteps. I'm going to follow that way. Wherever my pastor goes, I'm right behind it. Say, amen, brother. That's right. Whenever my pastor draws a line, I'm the first one to line up and say, that's right. Why? Because I'm taking a stand for my own apostolic doctrine. You are not to fight your pastor. You're not going to be the one in the pastor's office that is always saying, you're wrong, and you've got to change this. No, you ought to follow it and dig it out for yourself and say, okay, I'm submitted. I'll take that mantle. I'll follow that gospel. God bless you. You may be seated. Even when there was a Hophni and Phinehas who were doing horrible, horrible things in the temple, who made people abhor the offering of the Lord, there was a young man named Samuel. 
in the temple, in that tabernacle, calling out to God and letting God talk to him and letting God call him and letting God say I want to use you. I want to love you. I want you to be mine. Let me tell you something Samuel you're just a young man but here's the way this thing is headed. Let me tell you something Samuel. You're going to be my servant. You're going to be my dedicated one. He had a call on his life where even the elders of the city's knees smote together whenever they heard of his coming. A man that could stand up to kings and armies and no, thus saith the Lord. It happened when the worst possible things were going on. His ministry began right when they lost the glory of the Lord. But he still stood up and said, no. But here's one young man that's going to live for God with all of his heart. No, you can compromise and you can follow all these other false gods, but I'm not going to. I believe in a one true living God. I believe with all of my heart in the one true God of heaven and earth. I follow him with everything that I have. I love him with all my heart and I will not compromise. came a time in Israel, and Ezekiel prophesied about it. He talked about what had happened and that there was a conspiracy among her prophets. And they did not make a difference between the holy and the unclean. Between what was right and what was wrong, they made no difference. They said, it's all okay. It's all all right. There's people that will tell you, you can find them anywhere you want to go. There are preachers that will tell you. They may not even believe that there is a God, but they'll tell you, oh, it's okay. It's all right. You can just do what you want to do. Live how you want to be, and it'll be okay. But he said, you've got to make a difference between the holy and the profane. It's a knowledge of the holy that is understanding You've got to know what is holy, what is right, and what is wrong, and what is profane. You've got to know it for yourself. And he said, it didn't happen. It never happened in that city. It never happened in that country. They did not know because no one ever told them. They didn't know because they killed all the righteous prophets. They killed them. They took Isaiah, put him in a hollow tree trunk, and sawed him in half and said, ah, it's all right. We still have our prophets. They killed. They put Jeremiah down in a pit and tried to kill him there. said, ah, it's all right. We still have our prophets. We don't need to hear from God. It was a people. It was a people who knew not the Lord because they rejected the word of God. And God said later in the scripture, he said, and I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land that I should not destroy it. But I found none in the worst of times. God's still looking for a man, for a woman who'll stand in the gap, who'll make up the hedge. He told the angel with the inkhorn, he said, go about and mark those who sigh and who cry for Israel. 
who cry for the abominations of Israel. I need someone to stand up. I need someone to take a stand for what's right. It's not just good enough that your pastor does it. You've got to take a stand too and say, no, I'm going to live for God. I refuse to compromise. Even when everyone else hates you, God. Even when everyone else will corrupt your doctrine, God. I'm going to stand here in this cab and say, not here and not now. You've got to get the burden in your heart. I started praying. And I was praying about this. And I was praying about some other things. And all of a sudden, the prayer just stopped. I said, God, what's wrong? And I started to repent for my generation. I started to repent for young people who had left the truth and compromised the doctrine for young people who would fornicate on a church parking lot and do whatever they wanted to do when they wanted to do it. I started to repent. I started to apologize. I said, God, I'm sorry. That's not all of us. I'm sorry for what's going on. And I'm sorry for the abominations. And I'm sorry for those who want to defile your name. But God, right here, you have a young man, God, who refuses to bow his knee. Is there any young people here today that say, no, I'm not going to bow. I'm going to live for God. I'm going to stand in the gap. It's not going to happen here. I want to be used by God. I want to be called by God. I want to be anointed by God. Let's all stand together if you wouldn't mind. So come to a close. It's not just about believing it for yourself. It's not just about having it in your heart. But somewhere out there, outside these four walls, there are more lost souls than you could ever imagine. I live in a city of six million people. There's not even a million saved. I don't even know if there's 500,000 saved. There's lost souls that every day are dying and going to hell. And yet one person after another will say, okay, I'm just going to compromise and give it away. And I'm going to follow after a visual God that I've made out of my own mind and not the God. Not the one true God. But oh, could there be some young people that say, no, God. I want to be used by you. Could there be some Samuels and some Phinehas and some Joshuas who say, no, I'm going to serve God. Use me, God. Be dedicated to the cause and the calling of God who oppress themselves forward and say, no, I want to be used by God. 
It's not an easy calling. It's not a light burden. But there is a crying need every day. There are hungry souls everywhere I go. I see people crying. I see people angry and frustrated in anguish over a world that just hasn't treated them right that just hasn't loved them but somewhere there's got to be some young people that say I'm going out and I'm going to work for God I'm going to stand for what's right and I'm going to take this gospel everywhere that I go I am going to be a testimony of God's excellence and God's goodness and I am going to stand in the gap There's so much room in this world. Every one of you could go out and start your own church and there still wouldn't be enough souls saved. There's so many. There's so many. Would anyone answer the call of God? It's not just a call to preach. It's a call to work at the church. It's a call to go and save souls. It's a call to fill your car with children and men and women who are hungry for God. And it's a call to refuse to compromise, to say, I'm going to stand for what's right. Is there anybody here that wants to make that stand? If you do, why don't you come forward and dedicate your life to God? Give yourself to God. Don't hold back anything. Sometimes it takes repentance. Sometimes it takes commitment. But there ought to be some young people up here saying, God, I'm going to serve you. Just a few? Just a few? The work of God's so big and people are so hungry that there's got to be somebody. God sought for a man. God sought for a woman. God sought for somebody. Somebody has got to stand. Somebody's got to love this gospel till it eats them up, till it almost destroys them and say, no, God, I'll never leave you. I'll never turn you down, God. I'm going to stand for what's right. I'm going to hide this word in my heart. I belong to you, God. I don't belong to any other. I belong to you, God. I don't belong to this world. If you've had trouble, if you haven't been doing what you ought, what you ought to do, now's the time to say, God, I repent. I'm gonna live for you. I'm gonna serve you. The harvest is great, and the laborers are few. Would somebody answer the call of God? God, when no one else will love you, I'll love you. When no one else will follow this gospel, I will follow this gospel. When everyone else curses you and hates you, God, I'm still going to live for you. It's not easy, 
but there's a need. It's not easy, but there's got to be someone determined that I'm going to stand in the gap. You can mark me, God. I'll sigh and I'll cry. I'll give my all to the gospel. I'll give my all to living for God. Stand, therefore, stand.